Hello, and welcome to the Crystal Clear Watchmaking Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, here with my co-host, Jay, and a very special guest, Southpaw Leather Goods. Uh, you want to introduce yourself, man? Yeah, hey, uh, my name's Andrew Kelly, and I am, you can find me at Instagram handle Southpaw Leather Goods, um, and I just make leather goods in my spare time, uh, watch straps and wallets and pretty much anything. So... Do you make uh, stuff with your left hand? Is that what I'm getting out of this? I do, I do. So I am left-handed. Hey, uh, Southpaw. I'm left-handed Southpaw too. comes from being a left-handed pitcher in college. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you bat left as well? I do. Yeah, but I didn't bat in college. Pitchers typically right. don't. <laughs> so you golf left too? Yes. Do you kick left? Yes. Oh, you're fully you're fully lefty then. Pretty much. Do you know if you're right-eyed or left-eyed? Probably left. I'm actually right-eyed dominant, so I, if, I, if I'm shooting, I'm shooting with my right hand. Ah. <laughs> do you, yeah. right, do okay. you right with your left? I right with my left. I can Weird. do a lot of things with my right hand, but um, mainly left-handed. Yeah, I'm, I'm mainly left-handed too. Nice. Is there anything you do with your right hand that you don't do with your left hand? Hmm. If I, I'm like you, if I think if I shoot, I shoot with my right. Okay. If I kick left. I mean, I kick right. Gotcha. Yeah. But I bat left, golf left, play hockey left. They say left-handed people are smarter. I don't know. That's just what they say. <laughs> I, I have a feeling oh, there's yeah. a bias towards that in this particular chat. <laughs> <laughs> they also say left-handed people are the only ones in their right mind. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a pun or... a medical pun or something like that well it has to do with the left and right side of the brain one's more like mathematical or pragmatic or the other one's more about creativity Mm. so jay i know that you often have a a little bit of news for us do you have any this week oh this week not not nothing i can think of it's pretty slow with christmas um yeah things slow down for the holidays yeah, no huge mergers or acquisitions or anything like that. Yeah, I did want to bring up one of the news pieces that you brought up in a previous week, actually, mm-hmm. um, but I think is more relevant this week even, which is that there is a gator slash croc leather ban in California. Oh, really? Yeah, and we've got a leather guy here. Do you have any thoughts on that, uh, Andrew? You know, I saw that, and I saw uh, one of the people that, that their business really is Crocs is American tanning company. And they were, they were pretty all up in arms on Instagram about, about that ruling. Um, and so I, I don't really see why they're doing it because as I understand it in the places where they hunt crocodiles and alligators, um, those animals are actually pests. It's like deer in the Midwest. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I don't know if it's completely right to ban all alligator and crocodile uh, products and skins and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the thing that I was curious about was aren't most of them, like I know that they do hunt them as a pest control thing, as you're saying, which I don't know if people know this, but they really do like surveys of populations and they really make sure that they're not over hunted even for pests. Yeah. But my understanding was, that there's actually like a gator and crocodile farms. So it's just a farmed animal, just like a cow or anything. Yeah. Well, being in California, I can tell you guys, I'm not surprised because California will ban anything. I mean, <laughs> they're trying to ban straws. Okay, so there's that. Um, I thought they already did. No, well, you can still get them. I mean, just because they say they banned it doesn't mean you can't get it anymore. Um, okay, so the black black market for straws yeah i mean <laughs> do you go to any restaurant you ask for a straw you'll get a straw secondly okay it, the, the the market for those kind of goods like croc and gator uh skin stuff is probably leaning towards more of the higher income people here so if they wanted to get mm-hmm. it they will be able to get it and it, it might you know might might not be sold in stores or whatever but it's just you know a lot of rich people here that and there's a lot of bags and stuff that are made out of that for like Hermes mm-hmm. stuff and that stuff's expensive. So that 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 
revenue stream is not just going to die, I don't think. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, cro- crocodile skin, if, if you try to buy that leather, it is very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> now, I didn't see any leather alligator or croc on your Instagram. Is that something that you've tried working with? I imagine it's pretty different. I have not tried working with that yet. Um, mainly because I do mostly custom orders, and I haven't had anybody uh, order it order it from me and it's just too expensive just to keep sitting around and i'm not that into it personally so i'm not going to make myself one when i first got into watches i thought that like alligator croc type thing just looked weird and bad but i've come around on it yeah I think to I like me it more now yeah you like it more now it, it it's kind of hit or miss if you if it depends on the strap to me if it's uh like super super shiny not a big fan but if it's kind of uh, more of a matte color or uh, kind of a different different color skin, I think it's pretty cool. That's actually that's actually something I never thought about before in a direct way. Do you what do they put on the leather when they're like way over polishing it like it looks like crazy shiny? Do you know what that material is? You know, I'm not actually sure. Um, it's some sort of glaze that then they polish to a high degree. Um, but I'm not sure what it's called or anything like that. I do have to agree. I like the matte finishes like you do a little bit more. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of crocodile pattern stuff. It just looks, I don't know, not not up my alley. It's I, I always liken it to like the stereotypical. It don't they make boots out of it, like like uh, cowboy boots or stuff out of that stuff? I think Maybe? they could, because <laughs> it's got that unique pattern right well that's why people like it it's got like that um i I don't know how to describe it but it's like not smooth like cow leather it's got like lines and stuff on it yeah no i I think people do do make them out of make boots and stuff out of that leather but i've personally never seen them because that would be way out of my budget (laughs) (laughs) seems pretty expensive um yeah you know the one that i never got was ostrich leather it just looks like Cow leather with genital warts. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty true. <laughs> that's, that's one way to put it. <laughs> it's just got like random spots all over it. Yeah, I've never, I've never used that one either in kind of the same reason. Like I just don't quite get it. <laughs> oh, I think the ostrich leather just looks bad. And I think a lot of other people do because you don't see it sold that much. Maybe it's expensive yeah. too. That could be the case. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure on the price of that. Um, it's probably a bit more than cow, but probably not not a ton more is my guess. Probably not like crocodiles. No, I don't think it's as much as crocs. It must be hard working with crocodile and gator leather because wouldn't it be tougher? Because that's, like that's like their body armor, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what I've heard. It's pretty tough to work with. I do have some stingray that I haven't actually Ooh. done anything with, wow. but... Uh, I'm actually a little bit afraid to do anything with it because it's supposed to take a horrible toll on your tools. Oh, wow. Um, oh, because it's so tough? Oh, yeah. It's it's like little, on the, on the, on the skin, they're like little calcite pips basically everywhere. And um, so basically you're cutting through like a calcium deposit, and that stuff's really, really tough. <laughs> huh. That sounds awesome, though. It it looks really cool. I want to do something with it, but I haven't figured out the exact thing. I don't... Um, if somebody orders something from me, like a wallet or something, I'd probably do it. But uh, I personally like don't see a use for myself yet, so I haven't used it. I didn't even know you can make stuff out of stingrays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't heard of that before either. <laughs> I guess you could... Anything that has a skin, theoretically, would make something out of it. Very you true. You know what? That makes perfect sense for... You know all the people who are say, who say like, "Oh, you can never wear leather on a diver." You know. Yeah, yeah. Now you've got now you've got your stingray yeah, leather yeah. diver strap, and you're like, "This is stingray leather, idiot! It belongs <laughs> in the ocean." That's so true. It, it came yeah, from the you'd, ocean. you'd be able to definitely wear that on a diver, I would think. Um, the one thing you want to worry about though is uh, the part that's touching your skin. You want the stingray on the outside, not the inside. <laughs> so you'd have to make sure whatever's on the inside is waterproof, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good so, point. So one thing that uh, 
that I'd like to ask you, uh, as far as the interview goes, mm-hmm. um, how do you get into leatherworking in the first place? <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. People ask me that all the time. Uh, basically, I saw something on Instagram one day, and I really wanted it, and I looked at the price, and I was like, you know what? I feel like I could, <laughs> I could make that for less. It turns out, no, you, you can't make it for <laughs> less when you're first starting out, but uh, I did it anyhow, and uh, well, the funniest thing is I still haven't made that actual thing because I started making watch straps and other types of wallets, and so <laughs> never actually made the inspiration, but that's kind of how I got into it. And that was like two, two Christmases ago. My parents... Uh, they're like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, I don't really need anything. So if you want to get me this leather, leather making kit, that'd be pretty cool. And they Interesting. did. Okay. Well, you've, you've come a long way in two years. I have to say your posts on Instagram are really nice. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. It's very yeah. nice. <laughs> thank you. I'm one of those kind of perfectionists. So if it's not, if it's not perfect, I, I have to scrap it and start over. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I empathize with that so much. Yeah. <laughs> so so Andrew, so what uh, what's your like um, like in terms of watches? Do you make like what's your do you make more straps? Do you make more wallets? Like what what got you interested in doing the watch podcast? Well, I am obsessed with watches. Okay. Um, so good. I actually saw you guys on Reddit and everything and. Uh, I think that's how I, I kind of originally linked up with with Luke, um, but no, I I've my dad kind of got, got me into watches. He was always wearing them, and uh, I've been wearing them, I, I think since I was like eight. I always had a watch on, and so uh, it's just kind of grown from there. And in the last couple of years, I've really gotten into uh, learning more about how they work and wanting to uh, start working on watches and repairing them. I'm actually sitting at my leather working desk right now and one half has all my leather stuff and the other half has all my watch making stuff. There you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I like it. So a lot of watch podcasts talk about what watches they're wearing. What, what watches are we wearing? <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let our guests go first. Oh, okay. Um, I am currently wearing a Tudor Black Bay Bronze, the original Ooh. one with the... With nice. the brown dial, I th- that's the one on your Instagram, right? There's one picture yeah. of it with it. Uh, I just saw it just now. Yeah, there it is. It's, it had a leather strap in the picture. Yep, yep. Brown uh, leather strap. So there's two of them, and there's two different leather straps on there. I think. Let me go check myself. One of them is a uh, shell cordovan leather strap, and the other one is a. Uh, so the one where you get a really good view of the watch where it's kind of piled on top of a bunch of wallets. It's yeah. very colorful. That's the one I'm looking at now. Yeah. So, so that strap is, uh, it's a Italian leather. Um, wow. Um, but that's one type of leather. And then there's another one where I have a watch and a wallet sitting on top of one another. And, uh, that, that nice whiskey color is uh shell cordovan from a tannery in Italy as well. So. so what I'm understanding is, is you're already putting leather on dive watches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it looks great on this one because, I mean, with the with the bronze, you got the patina and you get leather and it patinas as well. And I just think they look great together. Yeah. I really like that first one, that Pueblo, Pueblo leather one. It looks really, yeah. complements it really well. Yeah. Thank you. So how much, how much would those straps go for approximately? Um... About one fifty for like the Pueblo one from me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Shell one, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but Shell's much more expensive to obtain, much more like alligator leather mm. in terms of price. Um, and so those go up in price. Okay. Yeah. All right, Luke, what are you wearing? Uh, I'm wearing the uh, Raketa Big Zero, um, old Soviet watch. The... Um, the thing, though, is when I'm doing the podcast, I actually take it off and then put it all the way back in the watch box <laughs> because it is ridiculously loud. Really? So when I, <laughs> yeah, like when when your hand is on the desk in front of you, you can hear it easily. No problem. Wow. I can drive and it's on the steering wheels and I can hear it over the car. <laughs> 
So, like, it's ridiculously loud. I, I think part of the thing is that those Raketa movements are slightly loud. But then the other thing is, I haven't personally serviced it yet, although it's on my list. And I think there's just no lubrication. So those pallet stones are probably just hitting the escape wheel with no oil. So it's really slapping more loud than if it had the lubrication there. Huh. That's crazy. <laughs> just that loudness over a car. <laughs> like that's, I'm assuming you're not, are you driving a Prius where it's an electric car <laughs> or is this that over an engine? <laughs> no, actually it's a Honda Civic, but it's a pretty quiet four cylinder uh, engine. Okay. Those, that's still uh, really loud. <laughs> it's ridiculously loud. So Luke, isn't that bad for the watch if it's like, not lubricated and dry and hitting the thing like you're talking about like that um 100 yes okay. however i have not opened it up to actually prove that hypothesis true and okay. until i do that it's like schrodinger's box you right. know who knows if it's really being damaged right and as long as that doubt is there then i don't need to have an emergency to fix it <laughs> fair enough <laughs> so just pure laziness coming in there now, I've got a big leather question that actually comes from one of our previous episodes, which is we we're talking about types of leather, and mm -hmm. we had genuine leather, top grain leather, and full grain leather. And um, do you want to kind of bring us through what, what that means exactly? I will do my best. And so I, okay. I've actually looked that up previously as well. And it's, it's kind of, it's interesting, and I've actually heard it on, on another podcast, the same kind of question. Um, those three things, I think typically when they say top grain or full grain or whatever, that they're trying to say like the best leather, uh, genuine is like, I guess, okay. But what's kind of funny is that they're just kind of made up words. Like that's not how they, that's not how leather, um, like if you go and buy a leather skin, that's not how they're graded. Uh, they're not graded by genuine and, and top grain or whatever. Um, so I think it, at times those words can be a little misleading. And I know that's not exactly the answer you're looking for, but that's like the best one that I've seen. Um, okay. Yeah. My, my understanding from the Googling, nothing too too fancy, right? Yeah. But was that if you're like going out and buying... Like you're going to the leather supplier and you're buying leather that's just like the skin, then mm -hmm. that would be full grain. And then mm -hmm. top grain, they like sand away the top of it and then apply a fake top to it so it's all perfectly uniform. Hmm. And we see that on a lot of the straps. And then genuine, I don't, I don't even know what genuine means. Like if you took... <laughs> If you took like a bunch of leather that was like scraps and then you like did like a McNugget with it and like ground it all up and then put like a <laughs> compound to hold it all together, is that genuine leather? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, that, it's like Andrew said, I think they, a lot of it has dev devolved into marketing terms. Mm -hmm. So it's like they don't hold really any real meaning anymore. That might yeah. be true. The top grain thing you said, I mean, it makes sense. I'm, I'm just not 100% sure because I, I don't label any of my goods top grain or genuine or anything like that. And I think most of the other makers that I talk to don't either. Um, it's all like we're just buying quality leather from suppliers and then using it. So, Yeah, I mean, I imagine if you're buying it from a small-time guy, you know, you're probably not too worried that it's like actually made out of plastic and from China. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> like, well, if it's any if it's any consolation, like uh, I have the OEM leather strap that came with my Black Bay, and it does not say genuine or top grain or anything anywhere on this strap. And really? It, yeah. Yeah. It's not not yeah, anywhere. I could on see there. that. I could see an OEM wouldn't have that stuff on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess once you're at that level of expense, it's like. Why wouldn't it be genuine leather? Yeah. You know, like, right. <laughs> it'd be ridiculous for it to not be. Not be real leather. <laughs> but yeah, that is something you got to look out for. I mean, when you're buying less expensive straps and they have that stamp, you, you always got to worry a little bit um, on whether or not it's actually leather or 
like really quality stuff. Oh, that makes total sense. Like when when I'm buying like Russian watches and they're like, oh, it comes with the original papers. Then I look at it and I'm like, wait, I trust this less now. Exactly. <laughs> there's no way that it has the original papers. Yeah. Like if if if, if you bought an LV leather purse or something, it's not going to come with any papers saying the leather's real. Yeah. Right. Um. Now I know that you actually do leather working, but. Mm-hmm. I've got business ideas for you, okay? All right. So I know that you're actually into it, but I'm going to tell you how to run your business is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sounds good. Now, is this coming from so, experience? Do you run a business, Luke? I don't run a business. Uh, so, really. so you're getting advice from a guy who doesn't run a business. Right. Okay. <laughs> so fully established what's happening. So <clears throat> the first thing is I think there's a big gap in the leather uh, strap market right now, which, okay, I have a feeling Jay is going to love this. Okay. There's a uh, thread that you can get for stitching, which, by the way, you do great stitching, dude. Thank you. Um, so you can, get, uh, you can get thread that is basically, like, loomed. Oh, interesting. Huh. So when you're, when you're wearing your dive watch, you could have a loomed stingray leather strap on there that would be awesome actually for maximum dive watchiness <laughs> wow yeah i'm gonna have to you said there's there, you said that's are you thread? writing this down <laughs> I, i'm taking notes hold on i'm actually gonna pull this up i, I, wonder, if that, I wonder if the loom would wear out because it's like that kind of would see a lot of wear and tear if it's on the threading what i hear is that it's it's good thread and it'll keep uh glowing but unlike the loom, like Super Luminova, that's on a watch, um, it it fades out faster than the watch face does. I'd imagine, gotcha. Yeah, because it's not under a protective piece of glass or anything. Yeah, and it's like not as much loom per square centimeter or whatever. You know, it's less dense. Yeah, but you could still see it, obviously. Yeah, and I think it would look super awesome. And it's like just purely an aesthetic. Like, look how awesome and unique my watch strap is. <laughs> you know. I feel yeah. like if you put this stuff on Instagram, you just like blow up with orders. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I could yeah. also see on the flip side, you're getting too crazy with it. And it looks too busy and gouty. But for yeah, some people, you can never be too busy. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> what I was thinking is you've got this wonderful stitching that you do where you're alternating colors. Uh-huh. And if you did it, so I think the origin- the glow thread looks white normally so if you did an actual white thread and then glow thread and you alternated it oh that'd be pretty cool then yeah then it would be like a little bit less dense and it would look more like a pattern and it would look you know yeah oh yeah i'm trying to see what what like the weight of this thread is like if it's if it's sewing machine thread uh then it's not i don't use a sewing machine so it might be a little too thin but i'm 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 going to keep my eye out and I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So just for the record. Sounds like Luke's going to be your first customer. Sounds good. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm the idea supplier. I get the, I get the free product for coming up with the, the product line. The free no, prototype. <laughs> exactly. But actually you should, you should send it to Jay because he's actually got a, a 007. What's the lug width on the on that? Oh, on the I think it's 20. I want to say 20. That was going like 20 my or guess. 22. Yeah. It's definitely one of those. Yeah. And it would look great on that watch. Yeah. Cuz that's a diver. Yeah. The other Okay, so I've got more business ideas for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you seen these leather bands that have uh I think they've got bent spring bars in them. They what? do. Why? Uh, I imagine they have the bent spring bars, so it kind of uh, looks more like it's connected to the watch, like right at the right at the case. Um, I've actually never used a bent spring bar, but that would definitely be an interesting thing to do. Uh, it basically makes it kind of look like an integrated uh, bracelet. Yeah, an integrated bracelet, or more, I think, a little more accurately, like one of the integrated rubber straps that you can get now. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah they look really nice. Yeah, and you especially see them on really high-end stuff. Um, like, I was just in 
was just in Hawaii last week, and we stopped at a at a tourneau, and they happened to have a Vacheron boutique, and they they had a slightly bent spring bar on their driver's watch that I was just kind of looking at. Um, that's the one that's kind of uh, it's not your traditional like it's slight like the the watch face is slightly skewed. So that if you're driving, it's like straight up and down on your wrist. Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. It's a really cool watch. Interesting. So we've got Stingray Leather Loom Stitching Double Color with Bent Spring Bars. Okay. <laughs> this, this product line is coming together. There but we go. I feel like you'd have such a unique product at that point. Like all the materials and everything literally across the board is unique i feel like you could you could easily charge 300 maybe 400 for a product like that that you're literally like the only man in the world making that (laughs) well the thing is if you start making it then other people start doing it too so you wouldn't be able you'd maybe get away with that charge for like the first five (laughs) then somebody else would start doing it well hey $2,500 or whatever. That's true. Nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) It's a new Weiss watch right there. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Made in America, just like, uh, just like South Paw leather goods. Yes. (laughs) So when someone's buying, let me ask you, Andrew, someone's buying leather strap, be it from you or so what, what should they be looking for in terms of like getting good value for the money? Like not, not getting fake leather. Because obviously someone like you, you could probably just touch a leather strap and know whether, whether it's fake or real. But, you know, the normal person is just buying. There's so many choices out there. Like There are there are a lot of choices. And, I mean, you, you, can, buy, you can buy stuff from... I think Hodinkee has some really good straps on their site from what I've seen. Right. Um, you can also... I know... And these are just folks that I... I don't really look to buy leather straps all that much online right now. Cause I'll just make one. Um, but I, I do follow some folks on Instagram that look like they make stellar straps. Uh, you could also reach out to the Leathercraft Classifieds Reddit uh, forum wow. and, and ask for a strap from there, and you'll get some quality strap makers there. I can't remember the names right now, but there's a couple that post pretty, off, pretty often. Um, but, I mean, when you're looking, uh, so there, there's a couple things that, like I would, I would point out on a leather strap. Uh, one is kind of the the type of stitching. If you see, if you see absolutely perfect stitching with straight lines in the stitches, mm-hmm. and so I don't know if you notice, like when you look at my Instagram, all the stitches are slightly, uh, like slightly slanted. Yeah, I see that. I'm looking at a close up of one of your wallets, and on the edges, that's kind of it's not perfectly straight. It's like there's like some, some of there's a little slanted. slant to it right yeah, yeah yeah and and so that's actually the ideal um and I, mine aren't perfect but they're they're getting there uh but that's kind of the ideal look for hand stitch leather where it's called a saddle stitch and what happens is you're you're using two needles at once and you're putting them uh both of them through the hole at the same time and then you're basically tying a knot in between in I mean, inside every hole in the leather so um, basically every one of those stitches you see is one side of a knot. And oh. what that means that if one of the stitches gets clipped and gets cut, it's not going to unravel the whole length of the watch strap. It's just going to, it'll be one bad stitch that just stays where it's at if it's done correctly. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah. So that that's called a saddle stitch. And that's something that you definitely want to look for. Uh, when you're buying a leather strap or a wa- leather wallet or something like that, as compared to a machine stitch, um, I think there there may be, I'm not 100% sure, there might be a couple machines that can do close to a saddle stitch, but your, your typical machine stitch, let's say um, when you have a broken thread on your shirt, right? Mm-hmm. Like a thread breaks and it just starts to unravel because there's no there's no locking of that thread. It's just kind of... And it's just going to keep unraveling. The same thing could happen to a watch strap if it's machine stitched. Um, if you cut a if you cut a a thread, it's going to unravel, and you could just end up uh, the integrity of that strap might be compromised. So that that's one thing, and you can identify those because they have like perfectly straight stitch lines, and they're uh, 
really just look at look at the stitching on the hem of your shirt and you can see what a machine stitch looks like right well that's got to be very labor intensive to do saddle stitching right uh, as compared to machine stitching well I mean, yeah the time difference is it's quite large right because machines can go really quick your hands can yeah. only go so fast yeah so i i probably average um i don't know maybe six to ten stitches a minute and which is probably pretty slow for really experienced people and so it, it for like uh the long part of a strap it'll usually take me like 30 minutes to 40 minutes to stitch up that's still not bad yeah it's not awful but I it, should get into this leather thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's very therapeutic when you need a break from computers all day. Because <laughs> uh, I guarantee you, a lot of cheaper straps are not. Every one of them are not saddle strap, uh, saddle stitched. No, if you're buying a strap, like a cheap from one. one of the mass online dealers, um, like Barton. I mean, they make good straps. I have one on my on my Hamilton, but it's a canvas one. Um, but their leather ones are not going to be. Uh, hand stitched um those all the hand stitched ones are going to probably start somewhere around uh hundred dollars and up is where right. you start seeing more hand stitched um so that, that's one thing isn't bad for hand stitched honestly yeah but some people might yeah. not know the difference so they might just be like why am i paying hundred dollars right yeah. right yeah i mean and like anything the the more you pay, the better quality you're going to have. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now I'm curious about if my leather strap, I have a leather strap on one of my Seikos, and I'm wondering if I'm going to go check after, see if it's saddle stitched. Yeah. I'm going to be pissed off if it's not. <laughs> well, and actually, like, I'm looking at my my OEM one from Tudor, and I'm pretty sure it's machine stitched. What uh, the? But, I mean, well, it's still really... so many, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, otherwise, like, it's really quality. It's quality leather. It's quality everything. And... I mean, you can still have quality stuff with, with machine stitch. I'm not saying that, um, but right. it's just if you were to tear or if you were to cut a uh, cut a thread somewhere, it may start unraveling. Whereas a saddle stitch should not. Right. I mean, right. this is why we invited Andrew, and we didn't have Tudor come on because we <laughs> knew Andrew made better straps. And so when the Tudor guy was begging to come on the podcast, we were like, Nah. Nah, we're gonna have Andrew on and uh, learn the real shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. This is a really, really nice strap, but uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna say I make better ones. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe slightly more durable in the long run. Well, we'll see. It. Yours it are way. better. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, soon yours will be glow in the dark. And That's Tudor, true. no glow in the darks. That's you know true. what I'm saying? That's true. Um, there's a couple other things to look out for. Uh, and so it also like the composition of the strap itself. It's not always a hundred percent leather throughout. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. Um, uh, I know there's a, there's a guy on YouTube that I've, that I watch videos for follow him on Instagram to Leathercraft masterclass. And he actually did just did a breakdown of one of his leather straps, which look awesome by the way. Um, and he was like, basically he cut it down the middle to show you what, what his strap is made up of. And it was actually quite interesting to watch because he has the leather on the top, right? It's a pretty thin, thin top leather. And then on the bottom, he has another one, but in between he had kind of a mixture of leather and a stiffening agent and the stiffening agent, I can't remember exactly what he used, but it might be similar to, to wax paper or something sort of like that obviously it's not wax paper but basically something that prevents the the strap from stretching over the long run which is a interesting yeah and i i i don't use any of that um my straps haven't really stretched all that much but i also use thicker leather for the most part than than uh some other folks um but it was kind of interesting watching that because he had a reason for every single layer and his his straps are amazing um I mean, he teaches people how to make them <laughs> and it was kind of cool seeing like if I wanted to go and, and make maybe a, a slightly more elegant strap, um, then I could follow those steps and, and kind of do those, uh, same layers that he does and get a very nice, thin, strong strap. Hmm. Do you think that 
the stiffening agent is the reason why some straps just take forever to break in? Um, it could be. Uh, it also could depend on how thick the leather is too. Because I know that that he was making a pretty elegant strap, and when you make a more elegant strap like a like a croc or or um, exotic material or even just a thinner leather, um, that that thin leather is just too too thin to hold up on its own. Um, there are some other straps like mine; they might take a little while to break in because they're leather through and through and it's just thicker like it's four or five millimeters thick which is um a little hefty uh and just like the thicker leather like uh if you buy a leather wallet it takes a while to break in and so it could be the stiffening agent but that's i think those are usually a little bit more to prevent stretching in the long run um Mm. and usually the stiffness comes from the leather itself Hmm. so when I was looking up leather straps before, it was for, because now with Apple Watch, there's mm-hmm. a big market for like leather straps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see on this site I go to a lot called Wirecutter, and um, they they say which you know which Apple straps are the leather straps are the best, and say some say they use glue to fuse the strap together. Yeah, I mean that that's extremely common. I mean, so so you have to like I use glue as well. You, you have to use glue in order to get ready for stitching. And Uh, so there's also, if you only use glue, it'll probably not be as strong as like using glue and then stitching. So you know what I mean? What are you gluing to what exactly? Yeah. So, so I'm gluing the two pieces. So for some of my straps, I do get a very, very long piece of leather and fold it over once. And that creates the loop where your, um, spring bar goes through right and then you glue those two pieces together and then cut out your final shape and then uh, you'll stitch that and so for me when I glue it's gluing basically uh, gluing where the stitches are going to be right just to hold it in place before you stitch it right right okay so when you do that how do you make it so that the area with this, where the spring bar goes doesn't seem like extra wide. Do you have to like carve out a little bit for the spring bar to sit into? Um, so what's actually kind of nice is is when you sometimes the problem is uh, you need to trim down the leather a little bit to make that hole because the leather uh, it can get really really thick at the end when you're just folding over a piece of leather. Uh, mm-hmm. So I usually skive it a little bit, which means basically taking off layers of of leather and uh when you fold it over it naturally creates that hole so so when you fold it over are you folding it over the whole length of the strap or does it just fold over a bit so it depends on it depends on the strap that i'm making okay uh so if i'm if i'm if i'm making like a shell cordovan strap where the leather is like excessively expensive Mm-hmm. Then the top part will be shell, and I will fold over the the shell and kind of maybe take an extra inch, inch and a half, and fold that over to make right. the, the loop. But then on the back, I'll back it with another, a different type of leather. Okay. okay. And so if you actually look on my Instagram, the, the picture with the wallet on the, or the watch on top of the wallet, you can see that the top is that whiskey color, and the, the back, the bottom of the strap is a is a blue color right and so that's where i folded over the 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 whiskey color to make the loop but then i i back it with the the blue colored leather i see i see yeah but, but that's but pretty if, common on straps but if it's a if it's a like less like less pricey strap you fold it all the way to the end of the end of the strap yeah most of the okay. time it also depends on how thick the leather is that i'm that i'm working with so right. if it's if it starts out uh, like two and a half, three millimeters thick, if you fold that over, then you're getting to four to five millimeters. It's a pretty thick strap. Right, right. Um, so in that, like if it's a thicker leather, then I'll just skive the end and fold it over and then back it with a thinner leather on the back. Wow, okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah, so it just kind of depends on the setup and, and the leathers. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad if they use glue. It's just if no. that's all they use, it's bad. That that's what I would say is like glue glue is like 
the leather maker's best friend, right? Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. we need it in order to actually stitch. Um, but if it's, if something is held together just with glue, yeah, that's probably not the best thing to buy. Yeah. I see a lot of, there's a lot of Apple leather straps that are like that. That's just, there's no stitching. It's just helping. Yeah. Glue. Yep. Yep. Plus if you're super traditional, you know, and you're making your own glue, <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, you know, it's artisanal, uh, horse hoof paste, you know, <laughs> so you can add that layer of artistry onto your, onto your leather work. Oh yes. <laughs> okay. So I know we're getting super technical, but like, I'm guessing you just don't use Elmer's glue, right? You don't use like, uh, like, you know, no. is it like special glue? Yeah, there, there's typically glue. So for a while, I was using like a, I don't know, they sold it at the at the local leather stores, like a leather cement. You, you could use it for a lot of other applications as well. Um, but right now, I'm I'm using something called Eco Weld, and it's a water based glue. It smells a lot better than the other one, <laughs> um, but it seems to be just as strong and a little bit more eco friendly, I think. Uh, but it's like it. You just buy them in a leather store and, or buy them online at a supplier. But it's not Elmer's glue. <laughs> <laughs> now, typically, you know, we wouldn't, go to, uh, we wouldn't go to a watchmaker and be like, so how do you get the iron out of the earth and then, you know, forge it and whatever? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that to you a little bit anyway, though. All right. Um, so I guess two questions. One is... So leather is animal skin, right? Now, when I was, when I'm thinking of people who are about like steaks and stuff, they're like, oh, this is the cut from the back and this is the cut from the sides. And mm-hmm. I don't even know which steaks are better from this, this way of thinking, right? Right. But does it matter where from the cow the leather is coming? Do you have any idea? So I think it does matter, but I... In my leather goods, I typically am dealing with such small, uh, like I'm making such small things that it doesn't matter too much for me. Um, But the different types of leather, a lot of cow leather is pretty similar. Um, There might be a difference between like the shoulder area and the rump and the tummy and stuff like that. Um, But I think the bigger difference is between like the actual animal that produced the leather, if that makes sense. I think most right. cow leather is pretty consistent, um, but if you go to like pigskin leather or like pig belly leather, it's going to be much more soft and flexible. If you go to, I haven't used goatskin, but goatskin is going to be different. Horse is going to be different. Um, so I think there's more of a difference between animals um, than between like amongst Where like a cows. Animal. Right, right. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of where that's where that's sort of not the rule is apparently alligators like the way that their scales are lined up and the size and consistency is hugely different depending on whether it's their like stomach or their side or whatever yeah i don't know where the good stuff comes from though uh typically i think it's uh if i remember right whatever cut you typically get alligators in your best most consistent stuff is like right down the middle Mm -hmm. um and that's where you get the biggest scales and the most consistent patterns but other than that, I'm not too sure. I, I would imagine something like the belly is going to be softer, no? Because it doesn't I would think because it's like you know. Well, it's, maybe it's harder because they have to like their belly is constantly rubbing against stuff, so it has to be like more armored. No, like like the outside of the belly, like the underside of the cow. I'm saying. Right, it's going to be a little more stretchy because it has to stretch to accommodate various things, right? So it's going to yeah. be probably a little softer and stretchier. Where's the? What was Sorry, that? go ahead. No, I was going to say, whereas the top side is more like, sees the sun, it's like more protective. Mm-hmm. It's probably harder. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think most of the leather from cows is more like the back and the sides. Mm. Yeah. So question number two mm-hmm. for me drilling you for stuff that, you know, nobody can reasonably ask, I think. <laughs> so I know in, in the past, leather working, you know, it was pure nonsense um kind of like uh you know oh we just have this mercury compound that we're using and poisoning ourselves with and whatever right and now i see a lot of like vegetable tanned Uh even so is 
is vegetable tan like the standard? Like, what's the best tan? Is vegetable the best? Okay. Or, or what does that even mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's really, um, when you're tanning leather, there's really two different ways you can tan it. You either have vegetable tannings, vegetable tanning, or uh, chrome tan are the two big kind of uh, differences in tanning. And we'll we'll kind of start with chrome tan. Uh, chrome tan is chromium salts. They use that in the tanning process, and it's much faster. It's much faster to tan it, chrome tanning, like maybe one to three days, uh, and then you're ready to go with uh, okay. like kind of finishing and dyeing the leather. Whereas vegetable tan is a more natural process where you're taking tannins from uh, like tree bark and various other things, uh, kind of the same tannins that you worry about when you're uh, making whiskey or something like that, where you put it in your or barrel. Or drinking wine, right? Or drinking wine, yeah. So those tannins... And those are uh, what's used in vegetable tanning because it's all, it's from vegetables, trees, whatever. Um, and that usually takes much longer. And, and what, and what is the point? Is this like, is this like softening it or is it make it so it doesn't degrade anymore? I mean, I could see yeah. if you put chromium into something, maybe bacteria don't eat chromium. Right, right. <laughs> that's the strategy. So they're actually both. Uh, both processes are made for, uh, like basically making sure the leather doesn't degrade and stuff like that. Uh, but they both kind of produce different results in the leather. So, so your chrome tan, you're going to end up with a kind of more supple, um, more flexible leather that might be used more so in like furniture or clothing, stuff like that, where it's a bit softer, uh, more flexible, vegetable tan you're going to end up with something that's a bit tougher and a little less flexible um so your like saddles or belts or kind of things that aren't as stretchy uh probably going to be made out of vegetable tan leather um and watch straps actually i would highly recommend vegetable tan leather because it's something that is going to see the elements it's going to be stretched out or try to be stretched out over time. Um, so that's all I actually use is, is vegetable tan leather. Hmm. Yeah. That's good to know. So Andrew, one question for me, uh, being from California and, and kind of like on the topic of the crocodile, mm-hmm. and do you ever get any backlash, you know, with people saying, Oh, you work with dead cow skin, <laughs> animal activists or anything like that? Uh, not in the middle of Iowa. No, <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't gotten that at all. Actually, uh, most people just think it's kind of cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm sure from in California, that's like one of the first things you know people are concerned with. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, right, right now, you know, I feel like you're very artisanal, and the people who find you are the people who want you. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, once you take over uh, <laughs> Tudor's Watchmaker Straps uh, production, <laughs> then they'll come after you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So here, here's a question for you. Uh-huh. So let's let's say that I am going to start leatherworking. Uh-huh. What would you suggest that a leatherworker in, in training do? How, how do? how do I start this process? Oh, um, so the Leathercraft Reddit. I like Reddit, Leathercraft Reddit, uh, subreddit is great. But otherwise, I would just hit up YouTube and watch some videos on people making different things. And if you think it's for you, then I would uh, maybe go buy some tools, some basic tools. Uh, And really, like the basics that you would need is a sharp knife, a lot. There's even some very good makers who just use X-Acto knives and uh, pricking iron or stitching iron, which is what actually makes your stitching holes. And then, so is that heated? You're like poking hot metal through the leather. Is that what it is? Nope, nope. It's like basically uh, like a almost like a fork. I've actually seen people make some leather goods out of with a fork, <laughs> and they. <laughs> They use a fork to punch the holes. It's kind of funny. Um, and 
so it's it's a it's kind of like a fork and you hit it with a mallet and it makes the hole uh and then you just stitch it up from there um, now now what's an owl an all or a yeah, all, all or a yeah. mallet oh an all okay um, oh, I was about to jump in on that avian stuff, right? <laughs> it can rotate its head like 360 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. No, an awl is like, uh, it's a very thin, uh, I just pulled mine out. I'm trying to figure out how to describe this. I, I only ask because I do a lot of crossword puzzles and that is a very common clue. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, what, what's, the, uh, what's the clue for that? It's always like leather making tool. Oh. Very general, but it's like always three letters, and it's if you ever do a crossword puzzle, that's always the answer. All right, sounds Is good. Is it A W L? Trivia for you. Yeah, A W L. Okay. Yeah, so basically, it's a little. I, I guess, like if you think of a tine of a fork, it'd be one tine of a fork that's very thin and sharp. That you can uh, sometimes when you strike the leather with a pricking iron, it doesn't go all the way through because um, it's too thick, and so you would use an awl to finish that hole through the leather. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or to make sure everything's uniform, if, you're, if your pricking iron does go through, you can also, I use it to make sure everything is the exact same size throughout. Like all the holes are the exact same size, so. Okay. So, yeah. so it's, 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 you could have different size awls in your yeah. tool kit. Okay. Yeah, I think for the most part, I think they're all pretty similar in size. But uh, you could technically have different sizes, yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. So another another question on this exact same vein is, we've got someone, they're a beginner. What are some beginner mistakes that they can avoid? You know, like for watchmaking, I'd be like, don't buy these tools. These are a total waste. I wasted all this <laughs> money, and then I just ended up replacing them anyway. You know, that sort of thing? Yeah. Oh, man, that's a... That's a good one. I actually just heard in your last episode talking about the the Bergeon tools versus the other ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely found that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I'd heard that before because I'm the type of guy who would buy the cheap tool first. Yeah. Um, you know what? For leather, I think some people may start and they find out that it's not really for them. And so for like those folks, I don't want to tell them to not buy the cheap tool. Um, but I think I think my best advice for that would be um, there's a very big leather supplier in the states called Tandy Leather Supply, and their entry level tools are very good. Um, they're they're not going to be the quality of, of like buying one off like special, super expensive tools, but for like a beginner level quality, you can still make really nice stuff out of out of their entry level sets. And so I would say I would recommend go to Tandy Leather and get maybe their basic kit. And then based on, because it also depends on what you're working on. If you're working on smaller things, bigger things, wallets, uh, watch straps or bags and all that, you're going to require different tools across the board. Um, so my advice, go to, go to Tandy Leather, uh, buy one of their entry-level kits. And I think they're between $100 and $200 for like a full kit. And then uh, just try it out, figure out what you like, and and you'll quickly see as as your quality goes up, you'll see what tools you need and what tools you don't. Now that you've introduced me, you know, <laughs> I'm setting out a warning. One year from now, if I don't see glow-in-the-dark stingray straps on your Instagram, <laughs> I'm coming after you, okay? I'm going to eat the whole market with my ingenious idea. <laughs> You can it go for it. Like I said, the Stingray scares me a little bit because like it's going to totally destroy my tool when I go when I go to actually make something out of it. So, you might see other straps with glow in the dark thread before a Stingray strap. As long as I see progress. Did did you recently invest in a company that makes the that thread or something? <laughs> <laughs> Cuz it really seems like <laughs> You know, so, uh, it it's clearly a great idea. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spent a little bit of time on leather Instagram, and I started gathering concepts from many places. Gotcha. That's what happened. Gotcha. If you guys are looking for other good strap makers that I like on Instagram, I can point those out too. 
Um, no, no, this is all about you. All oh, right. All right. <laughs> We're signal boosting one man. There was one back on like the different areas of the cow or whatever where the leather comes from. There is a pretty special one uh, that's a very specific area from a horse. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Shell Cordovan. I know I've mentioned it a couple times. That's what the watch strap I'm currently wearing is made out of. Um, but Shell Cordovan leather is its kind of the best leather out there, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, other people may disagree with me, but it's pretty awesome. What ma- What makes it the best? It's just, it's, it's a pleasure to work with for one. Like it's okay. it, it, all of the different things you need to do, it, like the different techniques you need to use in leather working, like it does everything well, but I think it also looks really great. Um, and it, it's very tough and durable. Um, so it, it's a, it's just a really cool leather overall, but it actually comes from the rear end of a horse. Oh. It comes from their butt. And what's interesting is it's actually a uh, subdermal uh, piece of leather. So so the outside, normally normally the outside of the leather is the outside of the animal, right? So the, right. the leather. Yeah, the epidermal layer. Yeah. yeah. And so shell is actually different in that the inside of the leather, or the outside of the leather is actually uh, like a layer of skin that's facing inward, which is kind of weird. Right. Um, and it goes through a really, really specific tanning process that takes a very long time. Um, like six months is what I've heard from multiple places. And oh, wow. So it's, it's yeah, and, and each horse only produces a small amount because it's from a very specific place. And so it's very rare and very expensive. But uh, if you can get your hands on it, it's very, very nice leather to own. And and for our listeners, that's a small Andrew in the background. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. He must have woken up from his nap and is not happy. <laughs> so I feel like uh, we should give you some space to pump out any socials you got, anything like that. Okay, I mean, the only social I have is South Paul Other Goods. So that that's... Uh, it's easy to remember. Yeah. I have a... I'm teaming up on a giveaway with DC Vintage Watches on Instagram. Uh, they're going to be giving away two of my straps along with a uh, Seiko diver in oh. the coming months. So just to, that's pretty generous. There yeah. you go. Yeah, just a heads up on that. I need you to make a, a glove too, a pitcher's glove, oh, left-handed. I mean, it has to happen. It, it's on my it's on my to-do list. I was hoping to do one by the end of the year this year, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> That's you a, still got a few days. <laughs> yeah, not enough time. <laughs> That's a lot of leather in a glove, though, in a baseball It is, it's, and they're very like, complex. A lot of folds, and then they're, like, hard at the beginning, and then you got to soften them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've looked into it as much as I can on how to make one, and it's, uh, it's pretty demanding. <laughs> but that, that, is, that is the goal. I really want to make my own glove. Well, if you ever do, post it on Instagram. Oh, it'll be there. <laughs> Luke, you got anything else? Uh, well, while we're throwing out socials, we'll throw out the ones that we always throw out. Of course, we're on Instagram too, all right? Um, at uh, Crystal Clear Watchmaking. We're on the YouTube Crystal Clear Watchmaking. We're going to drop a few videos after Christmas, so coming up pretty soon here. Um, yeah, yeah, th- those are our socials. What about you, Jay? Uh, I just want to thank Andrew for coming on our podcast for such short notice. It's a pleasure having you on. I learned so much. Um, I'm I'm going to be more informed about leather now and probably buy a strap or two from you. Sweet. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me on. It was awesome. Yeah, and I'm going to have to look for that saddle stitching on everything that I buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, as Jay said, it was great having you on. Absolutely excellent guest all the way around. Yeah, that 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 podcast just flew by for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're already at uh, over an hour in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And we'll we'll see you guys next week as we continue to discuss gears, springs, oils, watches, brands, all things watches and watchmaking. And I just want to wish Andrew and everyone else listening a Merry Christmas. Um, This will be the last podcast before Christmas, but there will be one next week. So stay tuned. 
and a happy holidays to everybody else. Thank you.